Hello, this is Peter Kirsten, and you're listening to SAFM Sports Special. SAFM Sports Special. SAFM Sports Special on a Saturday afternoon. Brad Brown with you until 7 o'clock this evening. 23 minutes past 5 o'clock. We'll head back to Loftus Fasfelt in a short while. But first, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show today big wave surfer Chris Bertis. Chris, welcome uh, onto SAFM Sports Special. Thanks for, for taking the time to chat to us today. Good afternoon, SAFM. Good afternoon, Brad. Thanks very much for having me on the show. It's awesome to be um, out, in, out and about in um, sunny South Africa. I'm actually about an hour and a half from Springbok up in the Macroland at the moment on our way up to Namibia. Oh, brilliant. Beautiful part of the country as well. Chris, wanted to catch up with you today, not necessarily to talk about surfing, but something else that you've recently accomplished. You became the first person ever to do the Thames uh, River Source to Sea Run, Stand Up Paddle and Cycle. It took you just over 60 hours uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about it. Well, the project was called Project Code Red. Uh, what brought it all about? Um, yeah, good question, Brad. Um, it was something a little unique. Um, I actually had my appendix out recently um, about two months ago, and um, I'm not very good at, at being um, bedridden for um, an extended period of time. So if I'm if I'm if I'm not able to move around and uh, <laughs> do my normal activities, I start thinking of wild and crazy adventures, <laughs> which I seem to do on a regular basis. So, um, my fiance doesn't like it when I get sick because she knows I'm going to come up with something <laughs> crazy. Get you, in, get you into next, trouble. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, I just uh, I thought about it. I actually had to go over to Europe for a couple of business meetings, and I you know I, I started looking at doing. I'm a paddle down the River Thames, which is something I've always wanted to do. And um, just because it's such a unique and beautiful, beautiful river, and a lot of people don't actually realize how, how special and how unique it is. It's also got all these locks that, that um, are all the way down the river. And I, I started researching more, and then I thought, oh, it would be really awesome if I could actually see the whole thing. And then I researched, like, how long, how long the actual river was. And the more I did research into it, the more I realized, like, how much history and heritage is in that river and how, how far back it dates into, you know, um, history and how it's been used in, in ancient night tales and all that kind of thing. And I, I, I just became fascinated in it. And then I thought to myself, wow, well, I can't actually do the source to sea because it, where the original source is is up in the middle of the Cotswolds and in these beautiful meadows and there's actually no water there at the original source. So then I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll, I'll have to try and maybe I can run the first section. And then I... So I started researching, oh, I'll be able to do it right to the to the sea. And then the more I researched that, it uh, made me realize that you're actually not, a, you're not allowed to be able to travel all the way through to the actual sea because um, it becomes tidal and the Port of London Authority won't let you actually go by manpower for the last 35 kids because it's such a high-traffic area. So no one's actually ever, ever really done the complete source of sea. So then I thought, oh, well, if I can't paddle to the end, then... It would sort of be cheating. I couldn't say that it actually turned the source to sea. So then I decided, oh, well, I'll try and get a bike, and then I'll just bike from the, the point where I'm not allowed to paddle anymore to the end. And it ended up being like this crazy sort of triathlon, which is not something I've ever done mm. before. But it ended up actually doing something pretty unique and getting to see this absolutely amazing river right from when there was literally no water at all and under an old ash tree in the middle of the meadows. There no no like roads or anything around. And finding this massive stone with this carved, etched um, inscription on it about how this is the ancient source of the Thames River, and you're in the middle of these beautiful meadows, surrounded by greenery and no roads, no nothing else, and this ancient stone, like out of the 
nice of the round table. It made you realize like how much of a part of history you are and how far back you go in time. And it, was, it became even more of a, a special adventure than I thought it was going to be. And um, ended up, um, yeah, not not really sleeping at all and going for, you know, 68 hours, I think it was. I think I got an hour and a half sleep pretty much each night just on the side of the river, sleeping on my board or <laughs> whatever it took to, <laughs> to try and finish it. I started hallucinating, went past back in the palace, went through 42 locks, and started getting pretty sleep deprived, started hallucinating and seeing weird stuff. But um, it was a great adventure and something completely unique, and we're also doing it for the Lunchbox Fund, which is to raise money and awareness for raising hungry, um, looking after and feeding hungry kids in South Africa, which is always a good call, something special. Yeah, it is a great cause. And just those distances, I mean, you mentioned you ran from the source to, to the, the point where you could first get into the river and, and actually get onto that standard paddleboard. But you, you ran 20Ks, you then, on, on the on the standard paddleboard, 243Ks, and the last yeah. 35 you biked. You said you did it in, in, in around 68 hours. The goal was to originally do it in under 60, but uh, when, when you got off the paddleboard, tell us that story, why you couldn't head out on the bike straight away. Um. Yeah, well, it ended up being a little bit more complicated than planned. First of all, uh, I found out two days before I left, my my knee started getting really, really painful just before I left from Cape Town, and I couldn't understand why. I was doing some, some, um, some stuff with Tim Noakes, and he said I should just go downstairs as a sports scientist and get it checked out. And what actually had happened is that three of the wires that I had in my knee for the last eight years from a previous um, surfing accident um, had actually broken, and they were actually sticking into my muscles. So. Uh, the surgeon said to me that I needed to go in for surgery immediately, <laughs> and I told him that I was going to be doing this project, and, you know, I think he almost fell over backwards and said, you know, that there was no way I was going to be able to do it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, I think, you know, once I set my mind to something, you know, I set out an adventure, you know, uh, uh, it's very unlikely that I'm not going to get it done, so I said to him that I'd try and get it done when I got back, and I'd, I'd be able to get through the pain. As long as I wouldn't damage my ability to be able to walk in the future, I'd do all the pain and, and, and get... Um, Get surgery when I got back, which is exactly actually what I did. And, and but yeah, I, I got um, I got to the end of the paddle, um, which was about three hundred yards, yeah, about three hundred and thirty k's, and um, and I got onto a bike, and then the bike I got a puncture on, and then I got took out the repair kit and tried to get the repair kit sorted, and then the repair kit actually ended up having a puncture in it as well. I rented a little Boris bike on the side of the road, tried to finish it with that, and then that ended up being a disaster, and ended up having to get the bike fixed the following morning. And then carry on going, but because it took a lot longer than planned, because I thought I was going to have this, this, the tidal stream of the river, and I didn't realize that I wasn't going to be able to go through all the different locks. And um, because I'm a small craft and a manpower, they were I'm not a like a full size boat. They didn't allow me through, so I had to take out my equipment and my board and carry it around every lock. And that would have been fine if it was 15 or 16 locks, but it was 42 locks, which which made it really, really, really testing. And, you know, there's no one else on the river at night, and I was paddling by myself with a little headlamp and everything through the night down this river by myself. So it was, it was a really interesting adventure. It was pretty um, pretty unique. Um, I, get to saw, uh, I got to see an amazing amount of countryside and people, and people started hearing about what I was doing, and, you know, I ended up trying to pull favors with the lock the lock keepers to be able to help me and open up locks to be able to let me through towards the last, like, 50 to 100 k's. And then I ended up also, like, a day later, my, my guy that was meeting me at a couple of different points, who was my support guy, had to go back home because it was his daughter's birthday. And I ended up finishing in the middle of, um, the, by the Thames Barrier in the pouring rain by myself with no support crew, no, no one to welcome me home, no nothing, <laughs> a little bottle of champagne, popped a bottle of champagne, and I ended up realizing that, um, 
uh, you know, I hadn't actually thought about like what afterwards, like what what now. <laughs> well, well, let's, Chris, I, I'll tell you what, let's talk about that what next in, in just a short while. If I can ask you to hold just for a couple of minutes, uh, let's head back to Loftus Fasfeld quick just to get a quick rugby update from Vatangumbeni. The Bulls taking on Province Vata. The last time we chatted, Province were leading 3 0. Brad, certainly Province were leading 3 0 at that moment in time. At the moment, no. Province are now leading by 10 points, 2 3 after, after, 19, after 19 minutes of the game. Western Province did score a try in the 13th minute. Here, Apron crashed over after another, you know, set of, of phases that were well set up by Western Province. The, those were the beneficiaries of, of a, a quick thinking by Skomov, Louis Schroeder, who took a quick tap from a short arm given uh, from a short arm given to Western Province by referee Miles Junker from the scrum. They, after several phases, Here, Apron crashed over for that try to give them a 10, a, a 10 points um, to three lead. So the Bulls did try and so come back. Unfortunately for them, Andre Pollard, when they did get a penalty, Andre Pollard did miss that. One thing that's certain about this is North South Derby, if anyone had wondered if this derby had been watered down, no way. There's been end to end action. Earlier on in the eighth minute, Grant Hatting had come centimeters close to scoring the opening try in this game for the Bulls. After the Bulls had turned over, Western Province has sprinted all of 80 meters. And instead of passing to the two flyers, Akunandungan and Sambi Mastri, he decided to go by himself and was tackled by Damon de Allende, a try-saving tackle, and one that did keep Western Province, certainly, within the game when the, when the momentum was with them much, much, much earlier on in the game. For SAFM, back to you, Brad Mishira. Thank you very much, Vatangumbeni. We'll head back there halfway through the first half. We'll catch the end of that second half. We chatting uh, to Chris Bird. It's a big wave surfer who did something amazing at the beginning of August. Uh, all part of Project Code Red became the first person ever to do the River Thames uh, source to sea run, stand up paddle, and cycle. Took him just over 60 hours. Chris, uh, before we uh, headed to the rugby, you were saying that when you arrived uh, at the sea, you thought to yourself, man, I don't know what I'm doing next. And, and what you did do next. Uh, was a channel crossing on that stand-up paddleboard. Yeah, wow, Brad. I'm actually, I, I totally forgot about the big game with uh, West Province this morning, the, this afternoon. I was so focused on, uh, <laughs> on the Springbok. Um, the all-black game this morning, I'm still in a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of Paris depression about it, so I've sort of moved on since then. <laughs> we all are, I think. Good, good, good to hear that the um, province is in the lead. That's great to hear. Yeah. Tell us about this channel crossing on, on the standard paddleboard. I mean, it was barely 12 hours after you finished the other. You, you, you went on, on this, uh, this other adventure as part well, of Well, you, you're 100% right, Brad. It was a little bit of a non-stop um, chaotic mission because I thought I thought it was, I was going to be finishing 12 hours earlier, so I thought I was going to have a full day to prepare. And uh, literally, when I finished that um, that that cycle... I started um, cycling back to where my car was, like 35 k's away from where I started, and I realized to myself, Jesus, why am I actually um, I'm cycling back to my car? I've actually finished this four-day four mission and um, ended up realizing that I was completely psycho. So I pulled over a taxi. He gave me a lift back to, the, to, my, to my van, which was in Putney. And when I actually got back to Putney, he dropped me off. I put my put the bike in the car. I got out of my outfit into uh, my jeans and T-shirt. And as I did that, I got a reminder on my phone that I was meant to be doing channel crossing the next morning, and this was at like 6 o'clock in the evening. I was like, oh, my God, I totally forgot. I didn't realize it was the following day. So I literally put it I put into my GPS, like right then and there, Dover, 
which is where we launched to do the channel crossing. And it said it was going to take me five and a half, five and a half hours to get down. Literally put, the, put that in my GPS, got in my car, grabbed a bottle of water, and drove five and a half hours straight to Dover. Got to Dover like just before 12 o'clock that night. Prepped until 10 o'clock in the morning, everything that I was going to need. Slept for three hours, got up at five, went down to meet the boat, left at 6.30 in the morning, was doing the channel crossing by 7.30 and, yeah, by chance ended up breaking the record by 12 <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love it. I mean, that's the craziest story, but it's, it's phenomenal. Tell me a little bit about, you mentioned that it was all for charity. Tell me a little bit about the charity who, that you did it for and, and, and just the great work that they're doing here in South Africa. Yeah, it's, a, it's actually an amazing charity. It's called the Lunchbox Fund. Um, they basically go around to uh, quite a couple of different schools around the whole country and feed kids that actually literally don't have enough money to be able to buy lunch or have enough money for food in the daytime at school. So, you know, we all take for granted having enough food in our bellies to be able to think when we went to school because we always had breakfast, our moms always made us lunch and everything else. But, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the kids in this country just, you know, I don't even have enough money to be able to make sandwiches to go to school. And how do you concentrate on learning when you haven't actually had anything to eat from the night before? And I think that's, it just makes us, you know, take take nothing for granted and think about it and sit up and like, think about, you know, how many other people in this in this country aren't as fortunate as, as ourselves. And it makes us, you know, really aware of that kind of thing. And they work on the philosophy and feed a child, nourish your mind. And, you know, even whether we help feed 10 kids or whether we feel, you know, we fed 150 kids, it doesn't really matter. Every, every little helps. And, you know, all these kids that we actually help, it doesn't just feed them for a day or a month. It actually feeds every kid for a year for every kid that we actually raise money for, which I think is a good enough cause to be able to paddle 350 cans for anyhow. So <laughs> it's um, also a good cause. And, you know, it's also to raise awareness for the project that we're hoping to do next year, which is the first ever transatlantic um, standard paddleboard crossing. So it should be quite interesting as well. And that's also for the lunchbox thing. That, that is huge. I mean, the transatlantic crossing on that standard paddleboard, that, that's massive. Did, did that come up in the in the downtime when you were sitting at home after the knee surgery <laughs> thinking about <laughs> what to do next? <laughs> Yeah, you would think so. Actually, I came up with a couple of other other projects, which I can't tell you about yet because my fiancé will tell me if she has those ones. But, um, no, it's, uh, we're trying to raise some money and awareness for that as well because that's a 3,500-kilometer um, project, um, which we're hoping to do at the end of next year. And we're hoping to do it so every 50 kilometers of our paddle, we, we feed one kid for a whole year. And I think um, that'll be something unique. It's going to be the fastest manpower transatlantic ever, ever attempted. So... We're still trying to get um, some funding towards that, but um, I'm pretty sure it'll happen because it's for a good cause. It's completely eco-friendly, um, and it's um, it's to raise money and awareness for for, for the poor, which is which is great. You know, and um, always nice to be proudly South African and do something different that no one's ever thought of or attempted. And um, well, we'll see what happens. It all sounds pretty exciting, but um, that's pretty much for having me on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Chris, if, if people want to follow your journey, uh, I know you're quite active online as well. Uh, what, what's the website address where, where people can get in touch with you and, and sort of see what you're up to? Um, it's just my full name, chrisbertish.com. So it's C-A-H-R-I-S-B-E-R-T-I-S-H.com. And, um, yeah, I mean, I do a lot of motivational speaking all over the, the country and all over the world, so a lot of people seem to find a lot of the... The talks that I do are pretty inspiring and interesting, so I always try and, you know, create, create some more fancy and fun um, stories for people to be able to listen to. There's always um, a lot to share, so 
Chris, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you this afternoon. I, I just love your passion. I think what you're doing is amazing, and and I look forward to to following that journey uh, across the Atlantic. It sounds like that that's an epic epic uh, adventure, and and I, and I want to wish you all the best on the preparation for it and getting everything in place. And, and we'd love to chat to you in in the build up to it and and before and after it happens as well. Please do stay in yeah, touch with you. Yeah, Brad, thanks very much. I really appreciate it. And I think it's, you know, it just goes to show the, a lot of these, these projects that I do that, you know, I'm, I'm a normal, normal guy like everyone else. I, I work for a living. I do these kind of little projects on the side. And it just goes to show that if you truly believe it, you know, nothing's impossible. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Chris Burtis, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time there in the Northern Cape, beautiful part of the country.